0: How you doing, folks? David Ellenbogen here. Great to be with you. Uh, this is a really exciting show. At long last, getting a chance to sit down with Alexandra Tenus. He is on the forefront of sound research, ethnomusicology, an incredible musician in his own right, and he's created a protocol called Sound Meditation, which thousands and thousands of people have experienced. And the occasion for this conversation is that Alexandre Tenu is, is on top of all his accomplishments, an extremely generous guy, and he is a fan of the Ragas Live Festival, our 24-hour, 24-set, 70-musician broadcast and live concert, which is now in its eighth year, and he's going to be doing an amazing uh, benefit event at the assemblage with um, himself playing Tibetan bowls and gongs, leading a sound meditation, other instruments of just intonation resonance, resonance, and then um, that will lead into performances by many uh, great musicians from the Brooklyn Raga Massive. And that's coming up uh, September 18th. You can go to his site, soundmeditation.com, to learn about that. Um, But just to get into the mood, let's take a listen to Alexandra playing his Tibetan bowls. Later in the interview, we'll we'll take a break and listen to a live recording we made of him playing just a simple sruti box, but the... Effects on consciousness from this simple instrument um, are really profound. So let's take a couple minutes and listen to Alexandra play the singing bowls, and then we'll hang in the wizard's lab with Alexandra Denousse. First of all, I should should mention that um, speaking of sound, that Alexandra usually has a absolutely beautiful tenor voice, but uh, <laughs> it's this time of the season where many of us are suffering from allergies.
1: Yes, so. I'm sorry, it's not my <laughs> usual voice. I know, but today's <laughs> <Just, is>
0: shot. <laughs> uh, so um, we the the occasion that 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 made this uh, conversation, which has been a long time in coming, happen is that uh, you are. Going to be leading a, a, an experience which will, will bring people to understand the connections of Indian classical music, raga, and what many have experienced in your um, sound meditation. So, can you can you talk a little bit about those that that connection
1: there? Yes, certainly. Um, so. Sound and music are so complex and as our taste evolves, you know, listening to different musical styles, we learn something very important. This is for people who have not studied music, is that the more we learn about what's going on, the more we listen deeply, judiciously, intentionally, with great attention, the more we gain deeper enjoyment and knowledge in all the benefits that we get from sound, which is this positive entrainment I was talking about earlier. But for this to happen, uh, the receiver uh, would need to be uh, informed in some way, uh, primed, to direct the attention. The magic always comes from the receiver in the direct experience. However, it helps tremendously knowing some things, how to still the mind, how to listen to what's going on with the exploration of instruments uh, that have uh, harmonic, rich sound, gongs, singing bowls, and so on. We'll talk about these instrument later. Or Indian classical music, what is being communicated. So the attention and the attentive listening is part of the experience. And this event is about creating a deeper attunement presence by knowing what to look for instead of just haphazardly going through an experience and following the flow. But the flow is very often based on how much attention are we addressing here and using in the mindset. So I'll also be covering this so that the audience become active participants. And that's what Indian classical music requires, the bhava and rasa, the magic between the musicians, instrumentalists or singers, and the audience. Uh, This interconnectedness, this where the, where the boundary between the two would cease to exist because it's using everyone's energy. So it's this kind of modality that I would like Westerners to learn because that's something we lost in Western culture. We're still trying to recover what we lost in a variety of different, place, different ways, in different settings, but there are many reasons that cause us to not do it as optimally as it's being done in Indian classical music. Turkish, Arabic, Persian, classical music, Armenian, Central Asian, North African. These are the the modal system and the, the the raga system system that's based on modes and understanding the mathematics of nature of the universe. So there's a d- deeper truth behind all of that. And this also would be communicated to the participants. So it's an event where so many beautiful and exciting things are going to happen. Presentation and showing certain examples and videos and demonstrating and then going through the sound meditation that I lead. And then we have overtone singing exploration and um, the material that you, Dave, and your um, combo will do and then leading to the classical Indian classical music so it's a platform where people receive some transmission and gear toward an enhanced deepened direct experience and a variety of different exposure to direct experience to get more out of what we normally get by creating more attunement, paying attention to the mindset that we bring to every experience, the intentions, attention, will, awareness, the presence of the mind, the curiosity and the reasoning, allowing the material to vibrate sympathetically with the body, all of this takes presence. This is where the magic is, the transformation for both the musicians and the receivers. So this is what is going to be addressed with a direct experience, a lengthy direct experience.
0: Now, you mentioned that um something was lost in western culture what what do we know about the earliest uh uses of of sound in i don't know in in history i mean across, across cultures what what do we know about how ancient people used sound
1: We know a lot, and not enough, and a lot of what we know seems to be caused by um, misinterpretation, a misguided perception, and that's a common problem that is not often talked about. But sound is very, very complex, has been treated with an enormous amount of seriousness, manifesting in a wide variety of different ways in different contexts, uh, whether we're talking about the indigenous setting, shamanic or not, often accompanied by dance as well. And the the, the thorough and deep use in shamanic realms, this is a whole topic by itself, we can talk a bit about it later, but also the spiritual, the mantra system, the sutra system, the chants, all of these things are part of... uh, spirituality and in, 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 in the tools and the practices that come to us from Eastern philosophies, um, the f- practices that reinforce the philosophy and uh, the chants and the way we've used it in the West, the way we use it in religious occasions or, you know, casual and uh, non-sacred occasions um, secular and variety of different contexts nothing happens without and music whether we're talking about weddings parties christenings football games you see it everywhere why? in films because of this capacity that it entrains you it changes how you are so we in the West have used sound in a variety of different ways but if we start to study deeply what we've done to music and how, with the development of our society and culture, and quite often but through the impact of our religions, we became separated, little by little, this ignorance that we started suffering from and the investment of our energy in a different direction where It split us away from the natural laws, the natural order that Pythagoreanism is based on, that Socrates and Plato, who were followers of Pythagoras, were deeply into. When you go deep in the study of Indian classical music, you realize that it's about the same thing. It's about playing music that communicates this intelligence of the natural order that um, manifest to us in a wide variety of different ways through art, visual art, or things manifesting with beautiful aesthetics like the result of Fibonacci series, fractal geometry, phi, the golden mean. The most important one is how it manifests in music, the harmonic series, and this is what humans have been uh, using to realign themselves, to activate, reactivate, inner intelligence with us, and that's basically what we seek in a variety of different ways. In the West, we no longer use it like how it's been used. We started using it in a way where we communicate a lack of awareness of this intelligence system. This How Western harmony grew in a different direction became tertial harmony, where we add intervals of thirds, and also on top of that, we quantize the octave Divided into equidistant half-steps became known as the equal temperament, something really complex and worthy of understanding, but we will not get a chance to talk about it in a fully deserved way. So this is what we're trying to recover as Westerners. We're looking back for our link to nature, our link to what people enjoyed during matriarchy. In patriarchy, this separation from the natural order started happening, haptic, and it was appropriated and expropriated, and it was furthered by book religions, Judaism, Kershata, and Islam. And there is, it's a very, very complex thing to talk about, but it's very important to understand this uh, need now to explore powerful things, to allow us to understand how how do we connect to nature? What is nature to us? How are we part of the universe? Who are we? And that can manifest in mathematical system, but it 's not mathematics that that is really there. Mathematics is what we use as a universal language to fathom, understand, transmit this knowledge, but what 's there is found in fields and phenomena, systems and patterns, this intelligence and natural order that 's what the harmonic series is, the place where harmony comes from it 's the most impactful part of this mathematics mathematical systems. Why? Because there is entrainment. There is something that's vibrating outside of you, ringing and changing the way you feel inside. The other manifestation of this natural system uh, are powerful, but not as powerful as sound. Why? Consciousness is deeply impacted by acoustics. The acoustics is a field in physics that focuses on sound and the behavior of sound, and that's what Keeps us coming back to sound and music, exploring in a wide variety of different ways. Even when it's quantized, even when the music, the octave is castrated, all of that is still. We still create beautiful things out of it, and that's testament for human ingenuity. But we lost our connection to the logos. The logos is the realm of all of this complexity. Uh, the logos is um, the metadata that words express. The logos is the true meaning of logos in ancient Greek is reason, logic, measurement, ratio. So it's talking about things connected to mathematics, that way of existing of the raw data of what, what we use mathematics to, to understand. It's so unfathomable. And there's an expression that the logos can become something else, we can talk about it, how it becomes. Ethos and pathos, so all of these things are very important for the receiver to understand, for the musician to know, to really understand what's going on here, to demystify a bit how seriously music should be taken. That it's, there is a reason why music is the most popular art that most people agree on, if if not all. I mean that's clear. Why it's doing something to you, it's moving you, it's creating different emotional states different feelings, thoughts, sensations, visuals. makes you move. That's very unique as an art. It's invading your privacy. It's interacting with you. It's luring you. It's getting you to work with it. It's getting you to open up. It's doing so many things that other arts cannot do so efficiently in a short period of time. That's really big. There are infinite different ways of using it. There seem to be ones that are more (coughs) optimal and healthy, more uh, resonant than others. But that takes knowledge and awareness. And that's what's exciting about sound, to communicate to others, to work with it as a tool, because what's more important here is where it takes me, not what does it do on me, how it affects me.
0: Uh, one instrument that I feel totally captures the the logos you know this the mathematics behind the mathematics um, without any other explanation or words is is the singing bowl, which is something that you use quite a bit mm-hmm. um, maybe uh, we 'll listen to it a little bit, but maybe you can explain. What's going on and why this has such a, an effect on, on consciousness?
1: Yes, that's a very good question. Um, so in so humans have always gravitated to you using instruments where you have sound rich with harmonics. Harmonics are found everywhere, <clears throat> and their role is to give our voice or any sound. We listen to its tone color or timbre. That's how a note played on a flute, different sounding from the same note in the same register played on oboe or violin. It's the coloring of the note. And this is where the harmonics and the overtones come. So, and these instruments that we always resort to and go to great lengths to make, if they're made out of metal, are gongs, discs, bells, singing bowls, but also didgeridoo, shakers and rattles, and so on and so forth. And uh, we always use this instrument anytime we are involved in any form of sound therapy or using sound as a therapeutic modality. And <clears throat> the, in, when we play the singing bowl, we hear very clearly a certain number of harmonics. Five to seven, often six. Most people would hear three or four harmonics. And I'm going to demonstrate that in a bit here on the singing bowl. What you're listening to is the raw harmony. The raw harmony that comes from this system that is the harmonic series. And it's a, it's a chance for us to realign, recalibrate, reawaken our senses, to allow entrainment to remind us where we come from, to appease things, to sh- shift the noise to signal ratio to go in an introspective, meditative, transcendental state. And, and this is through hearing minutely what's going on. For this, <coughs> I communicate to people certain variables to be attentive in when listening to the sound of the ball. There are three variables here I'm going to mention. One, the first one, is how high or low the notes are, the frequencies. Second, the amplitude, how soft or loud they are. The louder ones are going to be the lower notes, so lower frequencies tend to be more uh, present, louder. But also they would overshadow the higher frequencies that have a lower amplitude. The third variable is that each frequency has a different presence, wobbling, beating, it's called modulation in physics. Wow, 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 compared to wow, wow, wow. This will help us hear it, place it, allow the attention to rest on it, and sift it through the other pulsations, especially the lower, louder ones, which can overshadow the higher ones. So, this modulation can help us navigate in the sound. So, I'm gonna play it, and uh, for me, to project the lower frequencies, I'm going to play it with the felt side of the mallet, which is made of cotton, and then to project the higher ones, you will, uh, I will use the wooden side of the mallet. So you will hear at some points the lower or greater concentration on lower and mid-range harmonics, and then later more projected higher harmonics. All of this is to illustrate to the listener and facilitate the auditory navigation to listen to this. All of this is very important to listen to and look for so that when they listen to the track of singing rules, multiple singing rules, each one having a certain number of harmonics, what is happening there is that I'm creating an experience by using natural harmonics, natural harmony, the place where the concept of harmony comes from which we measure using mathematics. Mathematics is the place where harmonics come from. It's mathematical ratios or what we use mathematical ratios to measure. So it's powerful because it tempers the way we perceive reality. Creates, promotes reality that's closer to signal than noise. So understanding these things would deepen the experience of the individual in the listening experience. Here's a demonstration on the singing bowl. I'm gonna start with the side with the, the cotton side, the felt. in the sound using the wooden side of the mallet. The higher ones are more And one can also do such thing, which is rubbing the mallet on the rim of the bowl, to sustain the harmonic. Sometimes, to come up, like now, the friction is causing the heating of the molecule of the bronze metal made of copper and tin and the prime resonant frequency is released with its harmonics. So imagine ten singing balls of different diameters and sizes are played together, and of course these balls are chosen as a set. They need to agree frequency-wise, not to be Two different in the measurement of their harmonics, so that they're harmonious and, and they work together. Uh, they create an experience with different clouds of harmonies, different alignment of notes which create harmony, but in the raw version of harmony, not the calibrated. And that's what the singing bowl experience is about. Just listen and keep your mind coming back, bring your mind back to the sound, if it wanders and it will wander. And just listen with no judgment. If the mind wanders, just bring it back to listening and it'll eventually diminish the amount of thoughts, tension thoughts, and calms down inner things in the body, brainwave cycles, heart rate variability, switching the sympathetic to parasympathetic, autonomic nervous system, calming down the body. For the person to go into deep transcendental meditative contemplative state and that's what the experience is about
0: all right let's let's go With uh, Alexandra Tanous, a really real leader in thought uh, about the capabilities of of sound and and coming up with a a really important protocol that's done a lot of good for many people, including myself. And one of the things that uh, sets you apart from a, a lot of the people who are working in this field is that um you have taken the uh energy to separate the hui of which there's quite a bit um you know what what are the ideas that are floating around that that may not if if they're not necessarily off base may have no Strong foundation when, when people are talking about um, about sound these these days in certain circles.
1: Yeah, before this is a very good question. Uh, before we talk about it, it's important to mention that uh, sound is so complex; it accommodates a very wide variety of different ways of handling it and uh, working with it from the very, very serious to the amateurish, and um, it's very hard to handle. It's a very powerful tool, and as humans, going through what we're going through right now, major period in human consciousness, because what's going on in the world is really a consciousness crisis, not just a problem in the world. So it's reflecting what's going on inside of us. So it's important to understand how we can sometimes mishandle very powerful tools. It's the hardest thing for a human being to handle energy, power. So sound is one of them. It's the ultimate one. <laughs> um, so, and... Uh, the power that the, the, the facilitator experiences, how it impacts people, can cause them to not further investigate this and learn about it. And by doing that, the passion that people have starts start to fuel um, certain um, hindrance that comes from the ego. Ego inflation affects everyone. Presidents and, and uh, people in law enforcement and politicians, people in religion, so on and so forth. So it's uh, it's uh, important to understand that the human condition needs to be addressed differently with, with compassion and, and and understanding and to bring awareness and for people not to take it personally when they hear something like this, but to always look for an ameliorated way of treating sound because we really don't have time to meander so much. But unfortunately these things happen. Ego inflation can cause spiritual materialism, spiritual bypassing, pathological altruism, narcissistic spirituality, and and uh, all of these things we need to pay attention to so that we're not misguided by our own ego without us knowing that. And when others tell us about it, we don't know what they're talking about. or we feel defensive because part of us feel guilty. So this is a gray area. It's not often addressed. It happens a lot in sound. But I always try to lead by example, raise the standard because people who are so excited about sound when they realize that what they're doing is really powerful, they start to create in their head um, reasoning and theories or they take commonly transmitted ones. And often these, commonly, these common truths you find about sound are not real truth. They're being circulated out from more disinformation and misinformation. The difference between the two is misinformation is something that's transmitted without people not meaning any harm, any misguidedness or this. Disinformation is something put out there that's wrong on purpose or could be real but not as important as the other one, to split consciousness, to misguide people. So this is why it's important to give this little background behind this before we address these things so that people understand things in context. What are some of the what I personally believe to be hooey stuff and woo woo, you know. Keep in mind, sound has a very deeply esoteric side, or called deeply complex that exists in sound, but not the reductionist one, not the the, the, the superficial new agey aspect of that, or pop spirituality, or unconfirmed rumors and wishful thinking. That's what I call. Some of these things are that 432 hertz is more important than 440 hertz as a frequency to start the tuning of any instrument on. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. We need more research. But And that certainly addresses certain mathematical aspects, but what no one is talking about, and this is what I want to address, is the more important aspect, which is equal temperament or non-equal temperament. Because what I was talking earlier is about us creating separation from nature, a system that's kind of of like the GMO of the octave, adjusting things, ameliorating on what nature provided and doing it in a way for us to improve on things. Let's keep in mind that harmony in the West is functional harmony, is harmony that's not very, very close to the natural harmony where it came from, but it's close enough to make it work for us. And we created a lot of amazing things, but in the process something happened. We were not aware of the consequences of such step. So it's very important to realize that um, this equal temperament versus non-equal temperament that addresses what is happening in the notes, not on what note am I starting the tuning in. It's what is the backbone, the whole structure of the performance that changes it all together either one that's closer to signal or seeing clear with right sharpness or one that's more fuzzy with less twenty twenty vision. Think about this on the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, energetic levels. All together. That's what we're talking about. That's far more important than 440 versus 432. This doesn't mean... If we promote this as more important, it doesn't mean that 432 versus 440 is not worthy of scrutiny. Yes, but not deserve the spotlight because we're not giving attention to the more worthy stuff. I do care about people understanding this. And then the choice is there whether to perpetuate this obsession with 432 versus 440 or to look into equal temperament versus non-equal temperament. Because not a lot of people are talking about that. We need people to understand if people want to go deeper into this, they can check out a book, really great book about it is It's called uh, How Equal Temperament Ruined Harmony and Why You Should Care. Um, so, um, another thing is the association of specific notes to specific chakras. The correlation of C to the root chakra all, all the way up to the seventh. There is no evidence. First of all, let's just mention that There isn't only the seven chakra system. There are many other systems that somehow Westerners are stuck on the seven chakra system. Chakras are very important to understand and to understand correctly, not what people think of. Um, So there are various things that are not really worthy of attention or wrong, that people don't uh, question. They're not exercising the right kind of skepticism. It's healthy to be skeptical, not doubtful, but I don't see that being done enough in sound. And unfortunately, people who are mishandling the power of sound, who uh, um, associate, identify with it and feel that uh, now it's gave them a purpose, if they're not um, uh, guided by someone, who nurtures this capacity within them to handle it correctly, to not let it backfire on them, to mow down the ego as the person is doing the spiritual work. The ego may make the person feel that, oh, you are so important now, look at the power you do. That's the guru complex. That's the shaman who becomes infatuated by their power. And, you know, humans have history, long history of mishandling power. So, it's a very complex issue. Why? Because it's about self-awareness. It's about realizing what are the consequences that we have to go through when we mishandle power, such as sound, um, that has great impact on consciousness.
0: So, um, just to, to summarize, because um, I agree with you very much, that the having a, listening to a, a Tibetan bowl... At four forty, which is a certain amount of hertz per minute, is not somehow less spiritually impactful than listening to some auto tuned uh, keyboard and singer at four thirty two i mean that that you would agree is a uh, totally absolutely. absurd proposition as well um, the idea that there's seven chakras and then in the Indian system, there was seven notes, sa that somehow that translates to then C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. C is then your root chakra is also completely absurd because Sa and C are not the same thing. It's a exactly. mistranslation, completely baseless. Yes. Um, how about... That this particular gong I hit is somehow has something oh, yeah. to do with Jupiter.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is also another thing that. Uh, so this comes from theory that is interested in understanding planets as having frequencies connected to harmonics, so on so. So there is a bigger truth here and and a lot of complexity to investigate, but we Westerners have a history in taking bits and pieces and run wild with them and creating assumptions about something that we don't have the technology, the intellect, the awareness, the knowledge to handle correctly and everything, not creating castles based on what few grains of sand look like when you put them together. So there's a lot of confabulation. We need to be very careful. And this can happen when you're handling something so powerful. Basically, it's about... um, Not being so quick to create beliefs that have not been studied and there's no quantification of them, to create assumption. Why? Because it seems that this is what we end up doing when when we're trying to use sound as a way to shift our attention to consciousness and not profit. When we mishandle that, we always come back to profit and this creates a big industry. Gone. Companies create the Jupiter gong and the Earth gong and this this is good for all of these ailments and diseases and illnesses and blah 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 or mental state this fixes this this and that there is there is a market all of a sudden we need to be very careful with handling most powerful tool that impacts consciousness in such a way that create a market for it to create a business when it's not been studied deep enough to assume so yes a lot of sound practitioners I like to call myself a sound practitioner uh, and not a sound healer. Some sound healer is miscommunicating something or communicating something else. Uh, It's very important for sound practitioners to be aware that, no, you can buy it for the sound and the beauty of sound. And I do have some planetary gongs. I like them based on the sound, but I don't pay attention to this frequency. This harmonic series is creating the harmonics that can treat these specific ailments. No, I don't use it like that. I use mm-hmm. it based on just different ethos and pathos.
0: Now, that being said, there are have been some remarkable discoveries about um, sound treating particular mm-hmm. ailments. Maybe, maybe you could talk about that. Oh, now.
1: yes. <coughs> so sound and uh, music, well, of course, there's music therapy, a field that has been uh, in use not too serious level since the mid-1900s. And uh, and there has been also uh, interest in sound by different people. Reif is one, Professor Reif, who uh, investigated sound and the relationship between frequencies and uh, diseases, uh, but in a more carefully studied way, not play golf, because here we're talking about very high frequencies and very complex where the the, the harmonic spectrum, the frequency, the ultrasound aspect well beyond the threshold of our hearing. There are so many variables treated differently than just playing a gong. And then, um, yes, building on Rife's uh, study, uh, there is this uh, professor um, called Anthony Holland. He gave a TEDx talk. Um, showed how specific Frequency, actually it's not just frequency, a mathematical uh, ratio or the, 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 the interval between two frequencies going from the fundamental tone to the 11th harmonic. People can look up the harmonic series. Um, so this can cause cancer cells to go through apoptosis, which means self-death. That means sound has capacity in it to eliminate something that is there that should not be there. To take the unharmonious part out, disintegrating. This is very high intelligence. So, there are studies with how now physicians can clear out the amyloid plaque and clearing out uh, uh, this plaque that forms around neurons and obstruct people from uh, having their memories. And now you can clear it out. And people, people with dementia can get back their memories and so sound can levitate things sound is also can be the most destructive force you can break things apart by tapping into the prime resonant frequency Nikola Tesla said give me the prime resonant frequency of earth and I can split it in pieces he also said if you want to understand the universe think in terms of frequency vibration and energy and sound is all three at once and nothing but that so we're dealing with very, very powerful tool. We need to treat it in a better handling and with, with respect, with interest to understand how much can, how else can it serve consciousness? Because so far it has served consciousness. We need, we need to handle it correctly, and that is also through music, because music is impacting us in form of entrainment. So if we're listening to musical style of specific kind of music that's not rich with everything that needs to happen in it, we can be impacting the neuroplasticity of the brain, which means that the brain is being impacted by repeated experience. The brain becomes the result of a repeated experience doing something over and over. It can shift how powerful, let's call it, computer is, or how meek it can be. Through what? Through so many different things we've been talking about, and they're very complex and they deserve the attention, and that's why I go a little bit into deeper level of details and interconnectedness because this is where the magic is in how the dots connect. And that's how I was able to understand sound in a, such an exciting way, deserved way, by taking multidisciplinary approach and not convenient reductionist what falling into the woo-woo and what we what most people know about sound from Googling sound and watching a few YouTube videos or what most sound practitioners are talking about. There's a lot, lot, lot more. I always learn new things every week, every day. There's so much. So it's very important not to remain really <coughs> attached to the letter we know about it because there's a lot more. So I'm going to demonstrate the, how sound can affect people. I'm going to play two chimes independently. first one has specific times the little tiny metallic rods inside and when I swing it this pendulum that has a plastic disc gonna hit these tines and release notes and the notes combined together create harmony. Between the notes in the place where we have intervals there are mathematical ratios. And the culmination of these mathematical ratios create a certain sonic effect we call harmony. This harmony emanating from the this particular chime is going to impact people in a specific way and they will feel a specific way. So now we're going to attach certain terms to them. The logos is the potential of the chime before being played. When people listen to the harmonies, to these notes played together and every aspect of them, the notes individually together, the flurries in the ornamentation of the notes, the decay of the sound, the harmonics they hear in each one, and the combination of all these harmonics. And various aspects of the sound experience will impact them through something that's called ethos. Ethos, another word in ancient Greek, means the distinguishing quality, the personality, the character, the spirit, the allure. Uh, of the sound, and then when we listen to it and internalize it, we experience pathos. Pathos is the emotional state, is also the mental state, physical. So we have feelings, emotions, thoughts, sensations, and visuals. Sometimes, I don't define pathos as being something only connected to lament, a sense of lament and nostalgia. I feel it's the full spectrum, everything that's created inside of us. So here's a demonstration of the logos transmitting its potential through its ethos the sound that it has and when we internalize the sound what kind of feelings emotions thoughts it creates within us generally describe what they experience when playing these chimes sense of lightheartedness, um, childlike curiosity, sense of exaltation and happiness, whimsical effect, but sense of wonder and kind of a bit going toward the astonishment. The second chimes, so basically the sound translating into these emotions is the pathos and, the, sorry, the ethos and pathos. Second chimes would have a different effect. I'm going to play it, same. I'd like people to listen attentively to every aspect and just be in the experience, paying attention and not resorting to quickly think, but more feel. Go where the sound is leading you to, through the physics of the sound. It's not about an intellectualization. But having the mental awareness to be present, attentive, not having to label things quickly or succumb to the wandering mind and pursue thoughts and listening to it in the background. No, listen to it as a foreground and only that. And if the mind wanders, which it would, just bring it back to the sound very simply. Don't feel frustrated. So you will, you will feel certain emotional states. So I'm going to play the second chimes now. pathos that people feel from this chance is more sense of yearning sense of nostalgia um, self-reflection introspective contemplative state uh, going inward um, healing sadness addressing something that has lament sadness attached to it and the discovery of it once again brings healing brings relief A gentle relief, Uh, rainy day, cloudy day—all of these things. Sound creates reality. What's behind all of that? Mathematics. What we use mathematics to understand. So this is how the Raga system works. Whether on the listening, the handling, and how people are affected by it, and not having to do something intellectual by just sitting and being with it, and paying attention to the natural manifestation of the self on all levels mental, emotional, physical, energetic and spiritual and the ways being explored by the musician even though this is not a real instrument like Indian classical music but I was still observing where the notes are to play an experience that is suitable just uh, to that particular um, note the particular alignment and group of notes contained in each chime and that's how I use them differently. This is how ragas are used differently, based on sensibility. And this sensibility, if you keep tracing, seems to be connected with physics. It seems to be connected to the natural laws. But we need to do the work with it, to quiet mind, to find the universe that it always exists, but we were not witness to it. How? By paying attention, being one with it, not doing something, being, not intellectualizing, thinking our way through it, but no, being in it, paying attention, to wake up the inner capacity with us to find the universe within us by impacting the neuroplasticity, allowing things in our body through entrainment, sympathetic resonance. And that's how music affects us. It makes us feel different, music in a film entrains us so that we feel different emotional states. Everything is entrainment. The news and media use similar effect. They change the way we're feeling by projecting us with things. Well, that's what consciousness is interested in and impacted by all the time. What I call the overall diet. Not only what we eat, what we read, the, the films we watch, advertisements we're exposed to, the news, social media, the people, Uh, all of these things impact our consciousness, and consciousness becomes, we become a product of what we are absorbing through form of entrainment. Certain entrainment can be more powerful than others. So if we really want to use music and sound in a way where we are furthering our spiritual practice, we need attention. We need to know about a few things to have that awareness, to be more present than we normally are, to bring all our faculties, The right hemisphere of the brain, the the creative, imaginative, the feminine side of the brain, and the left hemisphere, the logic, the reasoning, but also the brain and the heart. The brain as a whole is masculine, the heart is feminine. It's compassion, love, kindness, empathy, uh, shifting the handling of the reality and creating a balance Harmony between the two hemispheres and the brain and heart, but most importantly, exiting the the interference of the reptilian brain mode. That's what's plaguing us, and that's what negative entrainment is causing. For us to operate from a place of separation, a place of anxiety, fear, and we become addicted to that. And and given that we are so. We value so much to. to Intelligence studying a lot, left hemisphere kind of faculties, we've ignored. We're out of balance. We're not treating, we're not creating reality by treating the body in a harmonious way, in a balanced way. We're predominantly left brain, a lot of reptilian brain action. Not as much balance from the right hemisphere and heart as, as we need to with awareness bring because we're entrained to perpetuate negative, because that seems to make money. Also, it holds Consciousness. It's doing a lot of things that are not good for this. Our energy that's explored in the wrong way. So that's why knowledge is the ultimate power. Because people then handle their energy differently. And at the end, it's about a different level of handling energy. It's energy management. It's being economical. How to handle our energy differently. Our, the mindset, intention, attention, will, awareness, curiosity, presence of the mind. But also the way we're using the faculties of the mind meditative state, contemplative or introspective or mindful, in how we're handling our actions that are the result of what goes on in the mind, what we perceive. And that seems to be taking us through misguided perception. We got lost by creating a system that focuses on profit over consciousness. Along the run, because of this ignorance and the directing as well, there is also a bit of agenda behind it, and propaganda, and not only misguided perception and, and ignorance, there is both. It's predominantly ignorance, but there is a hand seems to be working behind it. I'm not going to get into this <coughs> now, but it's really fascinating to go deep into it and not to follow the conspiracy theories that are widely known there, because, yeah, some of them are wrong, but some of them are true, but one needs to be careful once one addresses this esoteric occult side of reality. And that's coming out in a variety of different sides, even you know, people talking about Matrix, you know, Elon Musk and others. But it's a known concept that comes to us from uh, long before. And is to understand how to address things with the right handling and how to reconnect to the natural laws how to use our energies and faculties in a better way with more fine-tuned awareness. That's the only thing that's going to save us.
0: All right, here is a great point to take a break and listen to Alexander play the Sruti box. live. Such a simple instrument, but he gets so much out of it. And notice how you feel after you listen to five minutes of this
1: So it's important to understand that it's about how we handle our energy to uh, bring back our connection to logos, to our understanding and live in harmony, understand how to recognize and work with the natural laws. And that can help us create systems to be in harmony with the self because we're really out of tune. We're out of tune with each other, with nature. Look what we've done. This misguided perception got us to go into far out deep, reptilian brain mode that wants to protect the individual but the individual starts to operate from a place of fight or flight a place of defensiveness because about surviving when there's no need to have this angst but because of this negative entrainment it's causing people to create a different reality and we resorted to create a reality that by addressing the body parts to act from reptilian brain mode because really, we are the product of what we 're being entrained with all of this totality of different stuff on that impacts us on the what I was explaining the the, the, uh, the overall diet, the emotional uh, how we 're impacted uh, by by things that are around us that we absorb all the time, the music we listen to, the films we watch, the documentaries and media. And advertisements and news and the food we eat, uh, the practices, the places we go to, the things we smell, the, the sound pollution we impact, this. all of this impacts the body. The body starts to create reality and transduces reality differently and filters reality because the brain, the heart, the whole body does that. We experience a reality based on what the body is going through. And now we have a reality that's impacted so much by me, 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 need to fight, need to be right, need and mishandling power and energy and opposition, and especially that it makes money. And that's something that causes us to uh, impact ourselves in an even more and more negative way. Why? Because money is energy and causes the reptilian brain mode to kick in more and more because it gives safety. When we're operating from a place of scarcity, of fear, of uh, uh, need to defend the self, even when there's no need to defend, then reality is going to be different when you multiply that by 7.8 billion people to various levels, and especially those who are impacting people the most, people were created reality for others. First nobilities and royalties and then religions came, book religions and then the bankers in in even going back to medieval Italy in Florence and Venice, the the Medicis, the Albizis and Pazis and so on and Venice bankers. And then this continued ever since. And political systems came And the media came, and now the biggest thing is what Silicon Valley is creating reality technology that is becoming addictive and driving consciousness into areas that are unexplored territories. We need to handle that very, very judiciously. Why AI is out of the box? This is now entrapping us in systems that will separate us forever from the logos, from our connection to nature. But at the same time, you find a lot of need People, as they wake up, this fork in the road that we're encountering is causing a lot of people to be interested in um, permaculture and organic farming and no GMOs and meditation and working with sound and shamanism and psychedelic research and yoga and uh, all of this. But on the counterpart is the people are furthering, and their followers, furthering the transhumanistic agenda those who are following blindly, accepting it, re- thinking that this is a good evolution to consciousness. No, 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 we need to be super careful because there's so much scientific materialism and hegemony by science, God knows. I mean, you know, it's clear that scientists are the new priesthoods. They're driving reality into uncharted territories. So um, this is what Zara d- described as the Ariman. Arman is the evil twin of Christ consciousness. Also Rudolf Steiner talked so much about it, is that at one point in the future, and sure enough, here it is, uh, w- humanity, consciousness, will be tempted in exploring a type of consciousness that's not real consciousness, that comes from carbon, from technology. And it's, it's from that, that the concept of parasite, matrix, simulation, holographic reality all these various terms we hear about. Elon Musk is not the first person talking about it. He got it from Nick Bostrom, this Swedish philosopher who wrote his dissertation on the probability of this being a matrix and famous cosmologists like Martin Rees and Max Tegmark, Leonard Susskind followed this theory and, and then trickled down to Elon Musk and others. But, you know, the matrix that came out and this is also something that is much older than the current few years it goes back to the Gnostics told us about such a concept they called it the Archons Native Americans called it Watiko. Native Indian Kahuna shamans called it Iipe uh, the Aurobindo called it occult hostile forces Gurdjieff called it the evil magician in Sufism it's called Shaitan plural, shayateen, Arabic folklore is called jinn, where genie comes from. So maybe it's time to give this some attention, that there's some sort of parasite that impacts consciousness that we need to become aware of, that creates this misguided perception, us being misguided by our own exploration of our feelings, emotions, thoughts, and we become addicted to negative stuff. People suffer so much from sentiments of guilt, shame, sadness, uh, fear, anger. They're so static. It's hard to pull away from this. This is basically what causes the the need to heal from that. So it's a very, very complex problem that we need to address on all layers to be able to be involved in this healing, that sound, and all of these other systems we're using to wake the self up, to bring a feeling of uh, therapy, healing, rehabilitation, education, nurturing, revitalization, regeneration and revealing to the nature of consciousness, that's what we're seeking. Sound seem to be the most powerful one of all, but it's one that cannot be used as someone using to the other, the other needs to be involved, that's what's going to change everything. So that's why I talk about this variety of different things, because the issue is very complex deserves and, and, and begs for more scrutiny and, and seriousness. We need to be serious in the working with sound and to inform others, to create this feeling, the feeling of awareness. That's what I like to bring awareness to others, is how to make something else out of it that's, uh, that brings back harmony. We lost harmony, we lost our connection to logos. Community is harmony. Plato's work, The Republic, is all about how you can use sound to change the mindset of people, the ethos and pathos, with specific mode. There's a great book about this, as musical structures in Plato's dialogues. They were Pythagoreans, they worked from these ideals. Socrates, his teacher, uh, was forced to commit suicide by drinking poison because authorities didn't like the fact he was telling others about this. Uh, they threw him in jail and was forced to commit suicide by drinking poison so these are very very serious concepts and philosophies Plato didn't write the Allegory of the Cave for no reason it's about reality, it's about shifting reality through different perceptions perceptions that are closer to understanding the Logos and acting from a place of union back with the Logos
0: mm. well... Um hearing you speak about community and harmony and the logos um it really ties it deeply into uh why we we have your support making this this benefit event for the Ragas live festival because um for one when you talk about the the poison of (laughs) of modern media this this event gets broadcast around the world um and through FM radio and, and through the internet to to people all connecting with this and it's an amazing alternative to a twenty four hour news cycle, it's a twenty four hour raga cycle. And as you're speaking, I was thinking about how, in a sense, in Indian music, the tampura, which we haven't touched on yet, is mm-hmm. this instrument that creates the drone and nine times out of ten, it's playing the f- fundamental and then the first two overtones, the octave and the fifth, which in a sense is musically almost as close to the logos as you can get, you know, a fundamental mathematical truth. And that is the basis in which then, as you spoke about with, with the chimes, they paint, the, the the musicians paint these various... Um, Emotional et- states. Yeah, ethoses yes. and pathoses. And what we forgot to touch on was that in the Indian system uniquely, the Hindustani system, it ties in with the time of day. Mm-hmm. So there's another connection beyond... beyond the... Uh, Ego of, of entertainment or the the commercialism of it. There's there's a connection of of making music and sound something uh, greater than uh, a simple uh, performance. So maybe maybe to close, you can just bring it back home about how 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 Indian classical music and how this kind of event. Is is a kind of um, I won't say a panacea, but it, but it, but it's a, a counter t- to to so many of these uh, destructive, musical and energetic and um, commercial forces.
1: Yes, thank you. Um, I love what Brooklyn Raga Massive uh, has been doing in New York City, and what you, Dave, have been doing with Raga's Live Festival in the past eight years it's very important to keep these traditions alive and to um, create a deeper level of awareness of uh, how useful these musical cultures are to every person, not only to Indians or people interested in Indian culture and Indian classical music, because it's about a realignment with the natural order. So Indian classical music is based on playing Creating an experience based on exploration of particular raga, which is musical mode, which has specific notes, and the intervals between the notes are very important, but also these notes are not quantized like in the equal temperament. But as a guideline behind all of that, there is the instrument, the tanpura that we know. Um, that creates the buzzing of the strings. It's a tall standing string instrument where the instrumentalist plays by plucking the the four strings without fingering any of them and allowing the string to resonate. And this buzzing brings out a few of the first overtones in the series and allows the musicians to tune their notes and intervals to the harmonic series to create music that is closer to the purest signal the harmonic series why because it's about allowing the self musician or listener to be aligned reawakened by the harmonic series and to create the self-tuning on the emotional mental physical energetic and spiritual levels it's uh, it facilitates self-healing self-repair the Uh, processes, and any feeling of therapy, healing, rehabilitation, regeneration, revealing the nature of consciousness and sound, and it's all about that at the end, but that needs attention, it needs an investment of the faculties we have within us, the mindset. attention and intention, will, awareness, curiosity, the meditative, contemplative stage. Just listen and be. Be mindful of what's going on. Don't think over the music. So we're going to have a demonstration now of the sound of the Tanpura by Mari and uh, you will hear the buzzing of the instruments which release these overtones. Um, As you listen to them, listen to how the different notes Add to the texture by creating the harmonics. So being present in the experience would allow the individual to experience the instrument in a more powerful way because not all the harmonics are captured by the microphone and transmitted. Um, it's important to receive this experience, if possible, in person to experience the full range of the harmonics, the complexity in the sound that cannot be captured, even even in analog recording. Analog can capture more than digital. But here, the detriment is that the microphone is unable to capture all the harmonics. But it's about really witnessing. It's about being in that state and remembering.
0: All right. Well, I know I have a million more questions, but, um, uh, you know, there's always... which is the sign of a great conversation. You know, there's a lot more to talk about. And... um, People will uh, on the 19th, I'm sorry, the 18th of, of September, they can come and hear a talk with Alexandra on these top many topics. And then the format is he will be um, conducting one of his sound meditations, a more abbreviated form that will then be augmented by some spectacular musicians, including Arun Ramamurti on violin. Neil Mergai on overtone singing, uh, myself doing uh, overtone, just intonation, guitar loops, uh, Mari Tanaka on tampura, and Aaron Hansen, and the uh, really uh, wonderful sitarist Indrajit Roy Chattery. Um, so it's going to be a really, really special evening, and then that uh, special benefit event is really what makes uh, Raga's Live Festival on October 19th and 20th possible. So we hope to see you at one or both. And, um, Alexandra, thank you so much for all you do and um, all the many people you help uh, on their behalf. Uh, I just thank want to you. say thanks Great again. pleasure.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much, Dave.
0: All right.